0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. I am your host, Hayden Vozar. Today is Monday, December 19th, almost getting to that time of year. And if you caught me saying I am your host and you didn't catch me saying we are your two hosts, it's because Matt is, in fact, in Disney World right now. If you guys didn't catch the last episode and you don't know what's going on, Matt's in Disney right now. I'm going solo dolo with this episode, and I'm really happy to be doing so because I think this is only my second time doing this, but it's going to be a fun time. I've got my water next to me ready to go just so that when my esophagus goes desert-like, then I can have something to uh, to, to quench that thirst. I, I don't even – that's not – I think you – eat through your esophagus you like you swallow food through your esophagus i don't think it's probably just vocal cords that i'm that i'm trying to refer to but i don't know i have not taken a biology class in probably three or four years so that's besides the point because today we're gonna be talking some nfl some nhl and some world cup at the end i think the world cup at the end is really just kind of like a filler i it's something to talk about because I would be silly to come on here and not talk about the the finals of the world cup. But I think that pretty much everybody has kind of the same sentiment about the finals. It's either well, most of the world is happy that Argentina won and Messi won his world cup in the final world cup that he was going to play in. And then there's those few salty fans that are Ronaldo fans or just for some reason, just don't really like Messi or don't like Argentina as a team. But that's kind of the, the the few people out there. So I'm gonna be going over the World Cup last, but again, that's kind of that's that's not really the highlight of this episode. The highlight of this episode is definitely gonna be NFL. I've got three NFL topics here to talk about. The first one is is kind of just stuff that I saw this past weekend. I think this past weekend in football was was one of the best. This was week fifteen in the NFL. And I think that it was one of the best, probably top two weeks of, of this year in terms of just Good football to watch. Right. Like we had we had a lot of good games that went on. My second topic here is going to be about Justin Herbert. And I think that this I, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but I think that there's kind of a misconception going on around the NFL fan base about Justin Herbert as a quarterback. So I'm going to be kind of making my argument there. And then my third NFL topic is going to be about an interview with Shannon Sharp and Tyreek Hill that I saw actually on TikTok this this past week. So it's crazy to say that I'm getting first on rundown content or ideas off of TikTok, but that indeed happened this, this past week. I think it was like a couple of days ago that I saw this, and so I added it to the, the list for today. I was going to record this episode over the weekend, but I ended up not – Doing that because I thought it would be better just to wait because, well, Saturday I was going to do it. But then I was like, oh, wait, there's these really good games on. And then I was like, oh, I might as well wait until Sunday to do it because then the World Cup will be over. I'll, I'll do it after the World Cup match on Sunday. And then it came to about one o'clock when the World Cup was over. And I was like, oh, wait, no, there's going to be f- there's football on for the next 10 hours. So I was like, no, I'm going to do it after this And then I was like, no, I'm not going to do it tonight. I'm just going to do it tomorrow. So, yeah. So, that's why I'm recording today on Monday. But sorry to those who were expecting this earlier. But I think I think it's kind of just as well because Matt's going to be in Disney until, well, through Wednesday. He's coming back on Wednesday, but I think it's Wednesday night. And then we're probably not going to record another episode until I'd say at least Friday-ish. So, there you go. You'll, you'll have some time to to get this episode listened to and gi- digested. I almost said mm-hmm. jidested. That would have been really bad. I'm probably going to trip over over my words a lot this episode just because I'm talking for an hour straight. So yeah, but uh, it's it's going to be a fun one today. I'm really excited actually to do the solo episode. So let's get right into it with the NFL. The first topic here, like I said, is going to be some things that I loved about this past weekend in the NFL and some things that not not that I didn't like, but well, there was one thing in particular that, that I didn't like, and I'll just get to that first, and that is the Patriots' loss against the Raiders. I don't know who saw it. Most of you probably have at this point. It essentially, it, it kind of took the spotlight of of like big things that happened on this past NFL Sunday, and that was how the Patriots lost that game. So if, if you didn't see it, I'm just going to go over it briefly here. Essentially, the Patriots and the Raiders were tied at 24 uh, I think actually the Patriots were winning twenty seven. No, sorry, twenty four to seventeen going into the the Raiders' last drive, and the Raiders ended up scoring on this big deep ball to uh, Keelan Cole Junior or Senior or something, and that was kind of depressing. But yeah, so then they tied it up at twenty four, and the Patriots have a drive where they're they have I I don't remember how much time it was because I didn't see it actually. I I saw the replay of it, but. They have a drive, and it's tied up, and I think they're on like their own 40, 35-yard line-ish, and it's a draw played to to Ramondre Stevenson, who I absolutely love. I love Ramondre Stevenson. I'm a Patriots fan, for those of you who don't know that already or haven't gotten that out of the way I'm speaking about this very devastating loss, but yes, I'm a Patriots fan, and I love Ramondre Stevenson. I think that he's going to be one of the best running backs in the NFL here pretty soon, but... Right. He takes a draw play up the middle. It turns out to be a pretty big play, but time runs out as he's running the ball. So the clock hits zeros during this play, and I'm, I'm sure that Ramondre knew that. And so he, he breaks it up through the middle on, on this draw play that probably wasn't as, supposed to go this far. And so he goes for about, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 yards, and he gets to like the opposite 40-yard line. And so what he does in this situation where he gets to the opposite 40-yard line but the clock is at zeros. is he thinks, okay, well... And this is what I assume that he thought. Okay, well, we've gotten this far. We've gotten farther on this play than we thought we would. Let's just try to maybe get a lucky lateral and score. So he passes it back to Jacoby Myers, like five yards behind him. And Jacoby Myers proceeds to just absolutely launch the ball like 30 yards backwards to... I I think he was trying to get it to Mac Jones. But again, why would you throw the ball 30 yards backwards to Mac Jones who is the last person like the person in that's farthest back on the field so he so Mac Jones essentially has nobody else to lateral it to and we know how Mac Jones runs the ball how fast he is he's not fast at all so like why would you do this in the first place give it to Mac Jones in the first I I understand you're panicking fine it's the end of the game fine but you're it's tied up it's 24 24 zeros are on the clock just neat just go down and you go into overtime and hopefully you win the coin toss and score a touchdown and win. Or hopefully you are able to get a stop on defense, which they were able to do most of the game. And then you go and kick a field goal or score or whatever. And boom, you've, you've won the game in overtime, but no, Jacoby Myers chucks the ball back, gets picked off by uh Chandler Jones at like the 25 yard line. Chandler Jones, Literally, he catches the ball, turns around, stiff arms the crap out of Mac Jones into the ground, and then proceeds to run the ball in and score. And so the clock hits hit zeros, and Chandler Jones scores, and so the the game ends up to be 30-24 to 24 as the final score, and the Raiders won. I was very livid about this. Again, I didn't see it in real time. I was actually picking up wings for my dad and I to eat for dinner, so... Um, that was that was pretty unfortunate. But my dad texted me while I was at the place, picking the wings up, and he was like, hey, I don't know if you saw the end of the Patriots game, but we're going to watch it when you come back. And let me just tell you, it was absolutely insane. And I, I actually ended up seeing a replay of it while I was at like this bar thing, and I, I saw it on the TVs that were up behind the bar, and I couldn't believe my eyes. My, my jaw literally dropped, and everybody else around me in the bar was probably... Looking at me weird, but yes, it, it was it was horrendous, and I do love my Patriots. I I care more about fantasy at this point, and people give me crap about that. But I'm winning money from fantasy, and I'm not winning any money when the Patriots win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. It, I'm not gonna get into that debate right now, but yeah, that just that was one thing that irked me. One thing about that game that I did take as as, as a positive. I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was Kyle Duggar's interception return for a touchdown. So actually, I think the the Patriots only had I think they only had one or two offensive touchdowns. They had a they had a defensive touchdown with uh Kyle Duggar's pick six. If you guys and it wasn't a normal pick six. It was actually a screenplay that was supposed to go to Devontae Adams on the left side. Derek Carr got the snap, did exactly what he needed to do, got the ball out pretty quick to Devontae Adams on the left side, but Kyle Duggar, even before the play started, started creeping up to the line. He he obviously saw something or, or heard some call that he knew was going to be a screen pass. And so as soon as the the ball was hiked and Derek Carr looked over to Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams just turned around at Derek Carr, he immediately just bolted for it. And um, he, he ended up undercutting the pass, a screen pass, which again is really risky because if you miss it, you're out of the play already, you know, and that's that's one less guy that the receivers of the linemen have to block. So Kyle Duggar took himself out of the play, and then th- at that point you have to pick it off or else that's a mistake on your part. So he did what he had to do. He picked it off, took it back for, took it back for six because that's the easiest pick six you'll ever get is uh, picking off a screen pass. So he did that, and um, that, that was a great play by him. I, I love Kyle Duggar as a player. I'm really glad that we drafted him probably like three years ago at this point, so... Yeah, that that was one thing from that game that I that I loved. Another thing from this past weekend in football that is, I guess, sort of a takeaway. Actually, it's it's kind of two similar takeaways and two similar games here. The obviously the Vikings come back against the Colts, and then the Jaguars come back against the Cowboys. Now, the Jaguars come back unfortunately wasn't. It was kind of overshadowed by the Vikings come back against the Colts because the. Minnesota comeback was the largest in the history of the regular season of the NFL. So that was something else right there. But yesterday we had a comeback from the Jaguars against the Cowboys. And I think I want to say that this was, I think it was like 27 to 10 at one point that the Cowboys were winning. And I I actually told my dad, I was watching this game with my dad on, on red zone and I looked over to him and I was like, Hey, I really hope that the Jaguars win this game. Firstly, because I had Trevor Lawrence, on one of my fantasy teams. And I actually have Zay Jones on two of my fantasy teams. Picked him up four weeks ago. Past four weeks, he's scored 21 points or more in three out of those four weeks. So probably one of the best pickups off the waiver wire I've ever had in my fantasy career. And definitely the best one that I've had this year. So um, Zay Jones, keep going crazy for me. But I, I just, I love Trevor Lawrence as a player. And I, I really wanted to see this comeback in particular because... I think I saw, I was watching this game, and I saw that the Jags, they were moving the ball on Dallas. It's just that Dallas's offense was a little too good for them at the at the start of the game. And so coming into the third quarter, it was kind of like, okay, well, the Jags, I feel like they could pull this off. They look good. Their offense looks pretty good. It's just their defense is struggling a little bit. But if they can pull that together, if they can get a couple stops on, on Dak in this Cowboys' offense— the Cowboys' defense wasn't looking that good, or either that or Trevor Lawrence was just looking better, which I, I think is an argument that could be made as well. So, I think both of those things in combination, the Jags' defense got a, a bunch of stops. They got like, I know they got, I think two interceptions in the second half at least. I they have they had another one in overtime to seal the, the seal the deal and win in overtime. They returned it for a touchdown. So, I think they had one in overtime. They had two in the second half. I'm pretty sure. And I I believe they had a fumble recovery or something like that as well. So they had a lot of turnovers that, you know, kind of went their way and led to that, that comeback happening. But I think that this comeback really needs to be credited to Trevor Lawrence. And I guess you could say also Zay Jones, but also just that backfield in general, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, both Clemson products. They both played at Clemson together. They're a great duo in that backfield. I think, it's it's pretty underrated to have guys from the same college that played at the same college together and have them on your NFL team because there's already some chemistry there. Both Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence are young guys. You want them to have this chemistry. It's at least something that's going to be going their way, and so I think that that's really important on an on an NFL team even. And I think that's what we're seeing with the Jags this year, especially they're 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 a team that like you never really want to face, but also they're a team that. You also kind of know you can still beat. Like, it's hard to explain because I think the I think the Lions are a perfect perfect example perfect example as well. Just because in past years, like the Lions and the Jags have just been absolutely abysmal, and everybody's wanted to play them. So I think this year it's one of those things where like you expect them to be so bad, but they're not, and so that's why you don't want to play them. But at the, at the same time, both of their records are still pretty bad. I mean the the Lions are ba- are now up to seven and seven. They're up to five hundred, but I think the Jags are still at like six and eight or something like that. So right. Like both of those teams, I think you, you still would be fine playing against. And I think they actually play each other next week, which is kind of cool or no, the Jags play the jets on, on Thursday, which actually should be a pretty good game, but I'm just really excited to see this Jags team in the future. Um, I also don't really like the Cowboys. So that's why I was rooting for this comeback to happen. But I'm also just rooting for Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne as a whole in that backfield as well. So That was that, and then obviously the Minnesota comeback, I have to mention it, it was crazy. I'm not even a a Colts fan, I'm not remotely close to being a Colts fan, but even I can't even put into words like the emotions that I went through in that game. Because the first half, I didn't really watch, I was actually at the gym in, in the first half, and so I didn't really watch much of it. But I did watch the second half, um, mostly, I think it was like after it was 13, I mean, 33 to 14 is when I started watching it. And so I saw kind of that like 20 point swing that happened from there happen, which was just absolutely nuts. Um, I, I, again, I I still can't really wrap my head around how it happened, Um, but it just, it just shows. It's like, did I expect this to happen when it was halftime and it was 33 zip and the Colts were winning? No. If you would have told me that the that the Vikings were going to come back and win thirty nine to thirty six in that game, I would have told you no, that's not going to happen. But am I but looking back on it, am I surprised that this happened to the Indianapolis Colts? Also, not really. I'm not very surprised. I think if you asked me to name three teams that this that the largest comeback in NFL history would happen against this week, I would probably name the Colts as one of them. It would probably be like the Colts, the Lions, just because the Lions are always giving up leads. And again, I know that they're a, lo- a lot better this year than they have been in the past few years. But even this year, they've given given up a lot of big leads. And last year, they were, like, number one in the NFL in terms of, of of choking leads or choking, you know, close games. And so I would say that the Lions would probably be the second team. And then the third team would probably be, like, the Falcons or something. But maybe I'm just saying that because of the, the recent events that happened with a certain Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51, which also... happens to be a product of a Matt Ryan offense who just couldn't get it done in the second half. This man, Matt Ryan, I'm sure all you guys have seen this, but if you haven't, Matt Ryan is now the quarterback that has been on the losing end of the largest comeback in regular season history, which happened this past Saturday, and also the largest comeback that happened in Super Bowl history, which happened a few years ago against a certain team that I happen to be a fan of. So I feel bad for Matt Ryan. I think that... Like, the way that he's getting ripped online right now is kind of unfair. It is a product of their defense as well. Like, I, I think people forget that the Colts have a defense and that they let up 39 points in the second half and overtime of this game. The Colts have a defense. And yes, Matt Ryan should have scored more than three points in the second half. But still, football is a team sport. There are three aspects of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. So you can't blame it all on Matt Ryan in this offense. Also, Jonathan Taylor got hurt in the first quarter of this game, they didn't have him for the rest of the game. So it was like, Deion Jackson is a great backup. I have him on a couple of my fantasy teams as a handicap for for Jonathan Taylor. And he's done great whenever he's come into the game. But still, when you're missing a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, that's just a huge loss of confidence in the first place. And then you've got a guy like Matt Ryan, who's old, who has pretty bad PTSD of of losing in huge comeback games. You've got him in the backfield, you know, he's he's not as mobile as he used to be. He's actually like almost immobile at this point. He's, he's kind of looking like Ben Roethlisberger-esque at this point in his career. So, yeah, you. I mean, you've got all these different factors contributing to a comeback like this. Again, if you would have told me that this was going to happen at halftime in this game yesterday or on Saturday, I would have told you you're crazy. I would have told you, no, it's not happening. But again, am I surprised that it happened to the Colts? Not really. I think I think it's kind of... I don't know. I mean, it, it, it happens. Like Comebacks like this happen in, in football. You can't really escape it. But am I happy for the Vikings? Yes. Do I think that this says more about... Do I think that this says a lot about the Vikings? No. Because, again, it is the Colts. And they are one of those three teams in the NFL that I could see this happening to on any given week. So I think that the Vikings are still pretty fraudulent. I don't think that they're that good. Um, they are, in fact... Let's see, they're now 10-0 and 0 in games that are decided by one score. And that is by far, that is like miles ahead of any other team in the NFL. So just think about that. They are, what, what are they now? They're 11-3, and 3, I believe. And 10 of their games have been decided by one score. And they're just not as good of a team as their record says. And I think that people are starting to realize that if they would have lost that game on Saturday by 30 points, People would be going crazy about how the how bad the Vikings are right now. I haven't seen many people say, oh, the Vikings are so good, which I think is good because people are, are realizing that they are very fraudulent and that they win games in just absolutely insane ways. But I wouldn't say that this team is a great team to look out for in the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to make it pretty far um, considering primetime Kirk Cousins is about as good as Nathan Peterman. So that's my talk on the... Takeaways from this week, I'm going to move into my Justin Herbert talk now. So I decided to talk about Justin Herbert on this episode just because I think there's been a little bit of media coverage on Justin Herbert that's that's wrong. And there's a couple of NFL analysts that I think try to be a little bit different in their takes about Justin Herbert. That's one thing that I hate about social media these days, and especially in particular sports in social media and how people just love to make outlandish takes about things just to sound different. And they don't actually look into the, st- well, they might look in the stats, but they take, they, they kind of like twist stats to support what they're saying in re- or they take like really weird stats and it's just like, stop trying to be different and just look at the film, watch the guy play. And if he looks good, then he's, he's good, right? If, if he puts up decent numbers and he looks good, then he's got to be good. I think Justin Herbert is not only good but he's a great quarterback. I think I think he has top 3 talent in the NFL. I would probably put Patrick Mahomes ahead of him and then at this point, I think at, at this point we can all agree that Brady's out of the top 3 in terms of like just talent and and somebody that can win a game just just like based off of, you know, carrying their team because Tom Brady has not really been able to do that this season. So I'm going to take him out of that. I think that Patrick Mahomes and then maybe somebody like Joe Burrow. But then you've also got the Josh Allen. Like I, I think that probably Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then Justin Herbert are probably the, the top three talent, most talented guys in the NFL right now or top three most talented quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And I'd probably put Justin Herbert at, th- at three there. So, And I'd probably put, I guess, Joe Burrow b- um, below him at four. But yeah, I, I would say that a lot of people are accusing Justin Herbert of being more of the problem than he actually is in this – in this Los Angeles Chargers offense, and I guess team as a whole, because the Chargers aren't that good this year. I think right now they're eight and six, which their their win yesterday was huge. Uh, I think I saw like their their playoff chances went from being at, like thirty something percent to I think seventy or eighty something percent now. I think they're like number uh, number six in the AFC as of now. So they jumped up with their win this week, which was which was a huge win. Um, considering the circumstances of their playoff chances. But overall, as a team, they've just been kind of disappointing this year. A lot of people had basically every single team in the AFC West at 10 or more wins this season. I know that I had the char- – I think I had the Chargers at like 11 or 12 wins this season, which they're not going to get, most likely not. I mean, they'd have to win out to get 11 wins, so – which I don't know. if they'll I, I haven't seen the rest of their schedule, so I don't know if they'll really be able to do that. But – one thing that I have looked at is the Chargers' defense over the past three years and the Chargers' O-line this year. Um, I haven't, I didn't look at their O-line over the past three years, but I did look at, at, at it this year because they have a couple new guys that they've added to that offensive line in recent years in the draft, and so I think that the fairest uh, assessment is to look at this year. Um, and so the first thing that I'm going to go over is – the Chargers defense. Okay, so over the past 3 years, uh 3 years ago, the Chargers def or I guess yeah, 3 years ago the Chargers defense was 23rd in the NFL. It ranked 23rd in the in the power index um, of all defenses across the whole year. Last year, the I got, I All right, so this was 2 years ago. So Justin Herbert, this is his 3rd year in the NFL. 2 years ago, they were 23rd, their defense was 23rd in the league. Last year, their defense finished 30th in the league out of 32 teams. And then this year, the Chargers defense is 20th in the league. They've had a couple injuries. I think Derwin James has been injured for a little bit this year, but still, I mean, it's 23rd, 30th, and 20th over the past three years, over Justin Herbert's career in Los Angeles. Let's look at at this from an an objective standpoint. They have been in the bottom third of the league for Justin Herbert's whole career, their defense has been. And we all know how, how a defense affects the quarterback. If the defense is not good then a lot of pressure is put on the quarterback to make awesome throws and to make plays that the defense is letting up, right? So if your defense is putting up a lot of points, a quarterback has to be the one to come back from that, and everybody looks at the quarterback to do that. Everybody looks at the, the quarterback and somewhat the wide receivers, but like it's mainly the quarterback, on, at least on the field. Justin Herbert is a guy that has the talent to do that. I agree with that, and I think a lot of people are – I think that's kind of like the – where a lot of people are discrediting him is because people know what t- kind of talent he has, that he has an incredible frame. His size is crazy. His arm talent is out of this world. It's up there with the Josh Allens and the and the Patrick Mahomes of the world. So I think what I'm trying to say with this is like, yes, Justin Herbert has the ability to ha- to make these comebacks, but his team, the rest of his team is just significantly worse when compared to a guy like like Patrick Mahomes or a guy like Josh Allen, those guys at least have the help around them. Justin Herbert doesn't. Keenan Allen, I think, is regressing like crazy at this point. He's a lot, he's hurt a lot of the time. He kind of always has been. He's always been an injury prone guy, prone guy throughout his career. But over the past three years, I think Keenan Allen has just regressed a lot. If you watch a lot of and a lot of people are gonna are gonna roast me for saying this, but if you watch his tape and I've see, I've again I've seen vid I've watched videos of people studying his tape. If you watch his tape, he's slower getting out of his breaks. He's just the worst player overall. Keenan Allen, at the, at the at the prime of his career, was one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best. He just never got the credit for it because he was in Los Angeles or San Diego, wherever you want to call it. He was on the Chargers team that just wasn't really getting much credit for what they were doing because they weren't that good for most of, of Keenan Allen's career. The way that this affects Justin Herbert in turn I think it's huge. I, I think that Justin Herbert doesn't really have any anybody. To th- I mean, he has he has Gerald Everett, he has like Joshua Palmer, and he has he has a regressing Keenan Allen. He has one. I think he has one of the worst receiver rooms throughout the entire league. And again, people are gonna roast me for saying this, but I get that Keenan Allen is a veteran. But you look you look at a guy like like Julio Jones on the Buccaneers. Look at look at what he's done this year. He hasn't really done much. But he's a guy that you look at and you're like, oh, it's Julio Jones. He's going to make plays. Yeah, he has made a couple plays throughout the season. But you've also got guys like Mike Evans, like Chris Godwin on that team, who are super, super reliable. Keenan Allen doesn't have that type of help around him on the Chargers. And so being that veteran guy, he still has to be the star of that offense, and I don't think that he's capable of that anymore. Again, I don't care what anybody says about it. If you go and you look at his film, just go up on, go go and look up a video of him on YouTube. Just go up and look up like – Keenan Allen uh, holistic film something or other. I don't know where you can follow, you, you can look up. I mean, I've looked up Keenan Allen film reviews like that. I just look at p- other people studying Keenan Allen's film because I, it helps me kind of put the pieces together. It helps me look at the plays that are important to look at and, and the plays that reveal the most about where Keenan Allen is at as a player right now. This topic is about Justin Herbert, and I want to talk about how I want to make an analogy about how. Justin Herbert is affected by this. Oh, yeah, I also forgot to mention: Chargers offensive line this year is twenty fifth in the NFL, which what the bottom sixth of the NFL, I'd say. That, that's pretty bad. I mean that that's eighth lowest in the NFL. If if we're, or I guess eighth worst in the NFL. If we're if we're going from the other side of things, so twenty fifth best, eighth worst in the NFL. What are you gonna do? Like as a quarterback in that situation, you are sitting behind a line that just doesn't block for you. You have to be scrambling out of the pocket almost every single play, making plays with your legs, making plays with your incredibly talented arm, which he has done time and time again, but it gets tiring at one point. It gets to a point where you're where you're looking at yourself and you're saying, can I sustain this for a long period of time? I I don't think that anybody can. I don't think that Justin Herbert is is wrong for what he's doing in Los Angeles right now. I just think that he's physically not capable of carrying this team more than he already does. I'm going to make an analogy right here, and it's going to be a little bit of, an, of a confusing one. It's probably going to be one that you're probably going to look at me and you're going to say, okay, well, what does this have to do with the NFL? I think I love analogies. I've always loved I It's probably the sports in me. A lot of people love to make analogies to sports, like just random analogies, just stuff out of the blue that has no actual connection with, with sports, but it makes so much sense in sports terms that it's like, wow. That's really cool. And so I actually thought of this a couple days ago, and this is why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast today. So I'm going to make a little analogy here. Whenever you start learning shapes and polygons, one of the first things that you learn is that a square is always a rectangle, but a rectangle is not always a square, right? That's just a fact. Square is always going to be a rectangle because the definition of a rectangle is that it has four sides with all right angles, and that it has two sets of parallel sides, Right. That's the definition of a rectangle. Now, a square has meets all those requirements, but a square also has to have all equal sides and a rectangle doesn't. So a square is always going to be a rectangle, while a rectangle is not always going to be a square. That's just that's that's fact right there. You can make the same argument for quarterbacks in the NFL. And again, I'm not just saying this about Justin Herbert, but I think that Justin Herbert is like this is put on display the most in just Justin Herbert situation in Los Angeles right now. I think that in the NFL, in order to be consistently successful, in order to have consistent success in the NFL, you need a great quarterback. But on the other side of this coin, you can have a great quarterback and not have consistent success because you don't have the rest of those pieces on your team. Because we all, like I said, we all know that football, American football, is the ultimate team sport because there's three aspects of the game offense defense special teams and all those things need to be in sync in order to have consistent success right so i think what's happening to justin herbert is that justin herbert he's the completion to the square right you can have you can have all equal i mean you can have all equal angles all 90 degree angles you can have two sets of parallel sides you can so the offensive line is the parallel sides and then the defense is the all equal angles of the of the equation but if you don't have a guy like Justin Herbert, if you don't have all equal sides to the squ- to the polygon, it's not going to be a square. But I think it's the opposite. I think that Justin Herbert is the the thing that completes the whole square, but they don't have the rest of it. They don't have the 90-degree angles. They don't have the two parallel sides, right? So that, that square can't be a thing. It, it can't even be a rectangle at that point, right? Because they don't have the pieces around Justin Herbert to help him out. So... Do I think that this analogy is like a perfect way to describe the situation in L.A. right now? In LA right now, Yes. I, th- I think it's, well, it may not be the perfect way, but I think it's a very good way to describe it. Because right now, Justin Herbert is not, he, he can't work with what he has around him. He's lost in this offense. He's trying to make plays that his team expects him to make, but he can't make those plays all the time. We've seen it with Patrick Mahomes before. Patrick Mahomes has had... Has, has has had a regression in the past because he's been trying to make outlandish plays each and every play you can't have sustained, sustained success with that it's not going to work all the time if you're trying to do it all the time you might as well just give up because it's not going to work all the time but Justin Herbert has to do that for his team like it, it's it, he doesn't have a choice he has to go out there and perform like that every play he has to go out there and throw 50 times a game when he doesn't he shouldn't need to. he He should only have to have. He, he should only have to pass thirty five, maybe forty times a game, just because of how talented how talented he is. You want the ball in him, in his hands. You want him to be making plays with his arm. So, yeah, make him throw forty times a game, which is like kind of the higher end of the spectrum. And when it comes to attempts, when it comes to passes attempted in a game, so make him throw forty times in a game, but have the rest of your team also be intact, and have the rest of your team. Also, be able to bail out Justin Herbert when he makes a couple mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. Even Patrick Mahomes makes makes mistakes. Even Josh Allen makes mistakes. Even Tom Brady makes mistakes. We've we've seen everybody in the league do it. It happens. It's a product of playing the quarterback position. So you need the other parts of that of your team to bail him out, or to be or to be able to bail him out in those times of need. But you don't have those. And so Justin Herbert's just a one man show out there trying to get it done. I think Justin Herbert again, I think talent wise, Justin Herbert is a top three quarterback in this league. And that's maybe that's maybe more of a debated topic. But I think something that you can't debate is that Justin Herbert needs so much more help in this offense. And I think that it's it's something that like I think people are are kind of starting to catch on to now. But earlier this season, oh my gosh, I heard so much Justin Herbert hate. I heard so much slander on Justin Herbert and I couldn't stand it because I saw what was going on and I saw it's not Justin Herbert's fault. and I feel so bad for the guy, but there's not really much you can do about it because we're not all NFL executives. So now that that talks over, I can move into my last topic for the NFL for today. And it's like I said before I moved into the NFL, uh, it, it, is, it is about an interview on TikTok that I saw between Shannon Sharp and Tyreek Hill. And essentially, Shannon Sharp was arguing, was was basically asking Tyreek Hill, who are the top five receivers in the NFL, in your opinion? And it's always cool to see this because I think that a lot of, if you ask a lot of NFL players who their top five or top three guys are at whatever position in the NFL, they're going to say different guys than you would expect them to say. Or they're going to say different guys than the general public would say because they have a different lens or they have a different like view of the NFL because they they're playing in it right they're playing in a league who has an immense amount of talent and so you you have guys that like could be top five but they're just not really in the right scheme right and I think that's exactly what Tyree kill was trying to say in this interview he actually he actually told shannon sharp he, he goes this was not an exact quote but this is essentially what he was trying to say like this was his argument was essentially that he can name 15 guys in the NFL 15 receivers in the NFL that could all be top 5 guys that could all receive top 5 recognition but they don't because of the scheme that they're in essentially because of the team that they're on because of the coaching that they get whatever but he can name 15 guys that could that all have top 5 talent that could be top 5 receivers in the NFL that could be respected as a top five receiver in the NFL, but they don't because they aren't in the right scheme or they're not getting the ball enough, they're not getting targeted as much as other guys, which I I, th- I think there's some validity to that. I think that that's a really good take. And again, am I going to question a guy like Tyreek Hill who has experienced playing with multiple teams, has been consistently one of the most respected receivers in the league, has consistently seen some of the best coverage in in the league against him you know double teams even triple teams sometimes do i trust a guy like tyree kill if there's one person i trust in talking about receivers in the nfl it's probably tyree kill especially when he's sitting down across from shannon sharp and wearing some really cool sunglasses i i, tr- I trust tyree kill when he's talking about that so i guess the point that i'm trying to make here is like is this cool to see that tyree kills kind of bringing this to light i think it's great also i think one thing that's kind of that's really interesting about this is that like, I think the top five receiver conversation has become even more popular than, than the top five quarterback conversation, which everybody's always trying to argue about quarterbacks, right? Like, you know, quarterback is the most popular position in the NFL, possibly like across all of sports. Quarterback is, is one of the most popular positions. It's definitely the most popular position in the sport of American football. So like, it's a little bit surprising that this receiver debate is kind of taking over the league. By storm, but I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, you've got guys, you've got the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, like the Devontae Adams. Those are kind of like the, f- the five guys that you hear when talking about the top five receivers in the NFL. But Tyreek Hill was naming guys like Christian Kirk, right? Keenan Allen. I, and again, I, w- I was just kind of talking about how Keenan Allen's regressing. I'm going to personally take Keenan Allen out of out of my discussion of this because, but that's, that's one of the guys that Tyreek mentioned. But I'm going to take, Ty- I mean, Keenan Allen out of this because that is one guy that I've I've personally like watched film on and, and seen his regression personally. But again, like you've got guys like Christian Kirk out there, you've got guys like you know even even like a Zay Jones, and both of those guys are on the same team. The, the, both of those guys are on the Jags, right? It's like those two guys, they could be top five receivers in the NFL, but they're just not really in the right scheme. They're not in. They're not on one of the best teams in the NFL, right? They're not. They're not on the team with. A quarterback who's like a you know a bona fide great quarterback in the league. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence within the next couple of years is going to be looked at as probably a top ten quarterback. He probably could be looked at as a top ten quarterback right now, but he hasn't really been respected as that in the past. And so maybe we'll see them start to climb up in the in the ranks. Those guys like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and I don't know if you, if you want to go as far as like Amon Ross St. Brown, but like that's another guy who right he's on a pretty He's like he's on like a historically bad team, but he's one of the stars of their offense now. And he has been ever since like midway through last season. So do I think that this needs more attention? Do I think that people are oversimplifying it by just naming the top five, the the guy, the the five guys that get the most receiving yards, get the most targets, get the most touchdowns every year? I don't think people are oversimplifying it, but I do think that Tyreek Hill has a point. I think that in order to look at the league like that you need to be a part of it it's it's really tough to be a fan and to kind of be like oh yeah Tyreek Hill has a, lot, has a lot of sense in what he's saying like that 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 makes a lot of sense a guy who's who's respected as the 15th best receiver in the NFL could definitely be a top five receiver in the NFL it's hard to look at it that way but I do think that there is some validity to it I do think that again guys in the NFL see the league totally differently than we do and so it's hard to it's it's hard to look at Tyreek Hill and be like, no, you're wrong. He's not wrong. He's just kind of looking at the league in a different way, and he's looking at the league in a way that only very few people can. Because those are the guys that are in the NFL. Those are the only guys that can look at the league in, in that way. So that's just kind of my um that that kind of round up, rounds off my NFL talk for the day. Again, it's these aren't like these aren't topics that I'm you know that I'm super super passionate about. Well, I I kind of am passionate about the Justin Herbert one because I think he's a great quarterback. I think if you put him on a team with like a moderate with like a pretty average O line and a and a pretty maybe like a top third of the league defense, I think I, I think the guy's going to go crazy. But again, we're we just going to have to kind of wait that out because Chargers are just you know they're they're just being the Chargers. They essentially they're probably the biggest disappointment of this season just because they haven't been nearly as good as they, everybody thought they were going to be. Like, everybody thought that they were going to essentially, like, go to the AFC Championship at the worst this year because of how much talent that they added to that defense and how much talent they already have on, the, on that offense. Again, arguably a top-five quarterback, arguably a top-five running back as well. How do you How do you not see them going far in the playoffs? But now, with what we've seen this season, it's like, oh, well, they could miss the playoffs altogether. They have a better a lot better chance of making it now that they won this past weekend. but even if they do get there, if they're a low seed like the six or the seven seed, they're gonna be playing the two or three seed in the first round. Dude, I mean they could they could very well they could very well lose. So uh I don't know about, about the Chargers again, I, I hate seeing Justin Herbert in this system in in his first couple years, but I mean, he's a guy that has a huge career ahead of him. I don't know if he's going to go anywhere else for the time being. I don't think that that Los Angeles is going to let him go anywhere else. But I mean, if I'm him, I'm, I'm going to become frustrated pretty soon with it. So we'll, we'll kind of see where that takes us. But with that being said, and with that NFL topic uh, being concluded, I'm going to move into NHL now. So there have been talks around the NHL to actually extend the regular season from 82 games to 84 games. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're probably thinking, why the heck are are we talking about this? This is quite literally the smallest change you could make in comparison to how long the season already is. And yeah, (laughs) you're kind of right if you're thinking that. But let me tell you the reason that they're considering making this extension. And then I'm going to bring up the obvious impact that this could have on the players. So the reason that they're doing this is so is essentially so that the rivalries of the NHL the Oilers and the Flames the Capitals and the Penguins rivalries like that like kind of like regional rivalries that where the teams are like close to each other but they're not like right next to each other right rivalries in the NHL are a huge part of it they they're actually like if i think in terms of ticket sales and in terms of attendance and viewership and everything like that Rivalries in the NHL are like they make the biggest difference in terms of how much viewership and ticket sales that rivalry games get, and then how much non rivalry games get. So, like, it, there's like the biggest discrepancy between ticket sales and revenue and viewership and viewer ratings or whatever um, between rivalry games and non rivalry games in the NHL. So, I like they're a huge part of the league and a huge part of the NHL's viewership which already is kind of low compared to the NFL and the NBA and everything like that and maybe even the MLB like i i don't know i feel like NHL is probably more probably more popular at this point than the MLB is in the US but again i don't I don't really know i haven't done that research but as i'm getting more into hockey i think i'm becoming more into the rivalries of the league and and, and which teams you know because like watch, watching a rivalry game in the NHL is is like watching a boxing fight like watching a boxing match right like you i mean you're basically bound to get one fight per game and it's just it, it's it's always super chippy it's always an aggressive play style like you know the the guys are usually playing faster than they use than they do in other games it's just awesome to watch it's like it's it's like watching playoff hockey but during the regular, regular season and again that's another thing that is it's Pretty consistent across NHL and NBA. It's like NBA and NHL playoffs are super fun to watch because they're because everybody's going hard. Everybody knows, okay, well, this game is you know it, if we lose this game, it, it could it could mean that we lose the whole series of this playoff matchup or whatever. So like guys in the NHL and the and the and the NBA, respectively, both leagues, they go super hard in the playoffs and then in the regular season they kind of take a couple games off here and there, right? But I think what the NHL is arguing with this regular season extension is that hey, if we have more, if we have more regular season games, if we can have more rivalries, if we can have two more, even two more rivalry games, then hey, we can we can extend our viewership and I guess sell more tickets by like an exponential amount, which is crazy to think. Think about that. They're they're arguing for two extra games. Again, this is nothing in comparison to what an 82 game season is two games. Like, come on, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, that makes no sense. Right. How much is that really going to do you? Apparently, apparently again, I, I didn't do extensive research on this, but apparently rivalry games in the NHL, like that, that's how much it means. Just two extra games could be the difference of like a lot of ticket sales and a lot of viewership revenue and everything like that. So I think that's, one thing that we have to look at in terms of, in terms of like, kind of this whole lens of of what this extension could be, it's like wow, this really puts into into perspective how important and how meaningful rivalry games are in the NHL. Like I I never knew this before, but now I do. And so do I really have an opinion on what they should do? Not really, because you get into the impact part of this again. I I already told you guys the reason, and it's be, it's because they want more rivalry games. But the impact of this, in turn, is like, okay, well, you got two more games, which seems like such a small amount compared to the rest of the regular season. But that's two more games that these guys could get hurt in. And you could put a lot of guys' futures in jeopardy because of this. And it sucks to say that, but that's that's the whole argument with not extending the uh, the NFL season, right? People were already pretty mad about extending the NFL season one more week a couple years ago when it happened, but it happened and people seem to be kind of fine with it. Now will this happen in the NHL? Probably just because I guess the NFL extension was, was pretty successful in the past. So the NHL is probably looking at that and saying, okay, well, why can't we do the same? But again, it's like hockey games are almost just as aggressive as, as NFL football games. I mean, they're not, I, I would say that like the hits aren't as hard on a consistent basis in the NHL as they are in the NFL. But it's still like, I mean, you're still wearing pads. You're still out there for a long period of time risking pretty bad injury. Like we've seen some of the worst injuries in sports history happen on hockey ice. And so I think what I'm trying to argue here is like, let's take this extension, this idea of an extended NHL season with a grain of salt. Because yes, it's only two more games. But again, two more games for a guy that's played 82 games of an NHL season across the year, that's that's kind of a lot more hockey, right? Like that's, I mean, at the end of the season, these guys are gassed and they have to play a whole, you know, a lot of these guys, half the league has to play possibly a whole, you know, month or two months worth of, worth of playoffs, right? So it's like you got that side of the coin as well. So I don't know. I, I think that the reason that they're doing this, is obviously because they want more money, they want more viewership, they want more notoriety across the US and more again, more money. Sadly, that that's the the, the main motive for extending this this regular season. But do I think it's going to make that big of a difference? Not really. Again, it it's going to suck for those guys that in the last two games of the season of an of an 84-game NHL regular season, it's going to suck for those guys that get injured during those two games. But it's like, dude, that could happen all 82 other games of the season. Are we really making that big of a difference with an 84-game season? Not really. I think the rivalry thing is a great thing for hockey. I think it's going to attract a lot more viewers. It's the best hockey that you can get in the regular season by far. Like I said, obviously there's some kind of aspect of rivalry games in the NHL that just attract more and more viewers and more money. So why not do it? But again... When you ask that question, why not? It's like, well, you can obvi- you can just go the easy route and tell and tell that person, hey, these guys can get in. that's two more games that these guys can- that these guys could get injured in. So, why are we making you know why are we extending this season? I don't know. It's it's kind of to each his own. It's kind of one of those situations. But uh, yeah, I I'd probably I just wanted to go over it and kind of get my thoughts on it. Again, am I in favor of it? Yes, because. Right. I mean, these guys, these guys are tough. And I know earlier in the topic, it probably sounded like I wasn't for it, but I was just, I was trying to be devil's advocate. I was trying to play devil's advocate um, because I was trying to, you know, kind of give the other side of the coin and, and give a balanced review as we always like to do on first time rundown podcast. But right. I am, am I thinking that this is going to like absolutely change the way that the, that the NHL has looked at no i think in fact it would be better obviously obviously it would be better because they wouldn't be proposing this if it wouldn't be better um they've definitely definitely looked at the pros and cons of it but uh but i think that yeah really the biggest con is is the injury part of it and the i guess like the fatigue part of it that these guys are experiencing at the end of the season but again i don't think i mean you can it, it's one of those things where like if you're a playoff team you're you've most likely clinched the playoffs at least in some capacity by the last two games of the season of an eighty-four game season, so like you're probably resting most of your starters anyway for the playoffs if you're a playoff team. So it's like, eh. I mean, the, you know, the guys that the t- for the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, the, the the bottom half of the league that know that they aren't going to make the playoffs, for those guys, for those starters that are still playing in those two games, it's like, well, if they do suffer an injury, then they still have you know a whole off season to kind of to kind of heal up and get well. Um, I know that sounds kind of inconsiderate to, to say, but again, that's that's the risk that a lot of these professional athletes run. That's why they get paid so much. So you can look at it from that perspective as well. I think that extending, extending the regular season wouldn't be too bad of an idea. All right. And then moving on to this last topic here, which is the World Cup. So obviously we saw Argentina lift a trophy yesterday after a crazy win over France which again I I don't watch much soccer so this probably doesn't mean as much as it does to somebody that watches a lot of soccer but uh this was by far the best soccer game I've ever watched in my life and I actually I was talking to my buddy Mitchell who was on this podcast I think a few episodes ago if you guys haven't listened to it it's it's the one talking about the round I think it's the one reviewing the round of 16 Heading into the quarterfinals, I believe. Um, so, if you haven't listened to that episode and you want to meet Mitchell through the podcast, and you can. But I was talking to Mitchell, who is who's a huge footy fan, as as they like to call it, and he said that that's that may well have been the best soccer game that he's ever watched in his life. So, um, I I was very glad to be a part of that, and I actually went over his house uh, and, and and watched it with him and his family and a couple other of our friends and their families. So it was it was it was a pretty fun time. Um, I, I do admit, thank you to Mitchell for inviting me over and, and letting me experience that game with them. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody had the same reaction. Like, this is why I'm talking about it last on the episode today. And it's because it's like, dude, I think everybody wanted Argentina, Argentina to win. I don't think that anybody wanted, France. I, again, I am like France as you can get. Not really, because I'm not actually French. But yeah, I mean, I've I've studied French since sixth grade. And so I have like this... I have like more of a connection to France than most Americans would. And so you would think that I'd be pulling for France. No, dude, I'm pulling for Argentina and Messi. Are you kidding me? As again, as a sports fan, as like a, a fan of the game, I I, I love to call myself a fan of the game just because I love all sports. Like no matter what it is, it's like just the competitiveness of any sport is just awesome. In my opinion, and especially you know a sport that has the biggest stage in all of sports which is the world cup it's like dude this is the biggest match of in the world um from over the past four years and argentina has and Lionel messi who is is like debated as you know one of the greatest football players of all time i'm calling it football on this podcast because i'm gonna refer to it in the right way that's why i called it NFL American football back in earlier in this podcast. But Lionel Messi, one of the, uh, one of, one of the greatest football players of all time is now basically solidified as the greatest football player of all time, which I'm not going to get into that debate. Cause I don't know enough about soccer to do that, but right. It's like, why wouldn't you, if you're a fan of the game, like I am, why wouldn't you want to see something like this happen? Why wouldn't you want to see a guy like Messi lift up the world cup trophy in his last world cup ever, which, which, which he's never done before. Right. You know, a lot of people are looking at Kylian Mbappe and being like, "Oh man, I feel really bad for the guy. He carried carried his team. You know, scored a hat trick and still lost in the World Cup final." Okay, first of all, he scored two penalties. Yes, penalties are very hard. They're, well, they're a lot harder than they look, but they're still like they're still some of the easiest goals in game. When it comes to in game situations, they're some of the easiest goals that you can get. Okay. Because it's a free shot on goal from 12 yards away, I think. So it's like, dude, in in, in scope of the rest of the game, a penalty kick is about as easy of, of a goal as you can get in a game, right? He had two of those. His other goal was possibly one of the coolest goals that I've seen in a while, if not in my lifetime, live at least. It's probably the coolest goal that I've seen live. Kylian Mbappe is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Like he is he's probably gonna be respected as one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time by the by the time his career ends. He's one of the he's already one of the greatest World Cup players of all time. Um right now, I think I think he's got like thirteen World Cup goals right now, and I think Messi has twelve, if I'm not mistaken. So like or no, Mbappe has twelve and I think Messi has thirteen. So it's like Mbappe, who's 22 years old, I think, something like that, already has almost as many World Cups as, I mean, a- almost as many World Cup goals as Messi does. And Messi's like 35-ish, something like somewhere around that. Um, and those two guys are the leaders of current players right now in terms of World Cup goals. So it's like, dude, Mbappe is going to go crazy in World Cups from here on out until he retires, which is probably going to be at least another three world cups after after this because if you think if you think about it 12 year I mean three world cups 12 years from now and he'll be 34 12 years from now which is about where Messi is so if he continues playing for the next three world cups at least if not maybe the next four World cups like the dude is gonna score a crazy amount of World Cup goals he's definitely going to hold the record by the time his career is over I, I don't even want to try to guess how many he'll have by the end of his career but what I'm trying to say here is like, a France won it last year. I mean, um, four years ago, so they won the last World Cup. So they already have one under their belt, and Mbappe was on that team. So he already has one hit one under his belt. So let's let's give one to Argentina this year, and then in four years again, and Mbappe can go out there and try to do it again. Because you're not gonna have another Ronaldo out there. You're not gonna well. Yeah, you're not going to have Ronaldo out there for Portugal. You're not going to have Messi out there for Argentina. The the two players that are the most recognized across the world, the, Messi and, and Ronaldo. You're not going to have either of those guys in next year's World. I mean, in the next World Cup, which is going to be in North America, which is awesome. So you're going to see Kylian Mbappé go out there, most known player across the world at this point, most famed player across the world at that point, and you're going to see him go out there and dominate. So, he's going to have his chances in the future. I think this is great for Messi and Argentina. Again, there's a lot of other guys on Argentina that a lot that a lot of people like as well. There's some guys that people don't like because of what they things that they did earlier in this World Cup. Um, but a guy like Di Maria, like he, he played a he played a, a huge role in the final. Year. I mean, he scored he scored the other goal that Messi didn't score. So he scored. Messi scored two goals and he scored one. Uh, Di Maria scored one, but I think Di Maria had a. He also had an assist, I think. Or no, no, he's, he's the one that um that drew the penalty, the first penalty kick that Messi scored as the first goal of the game. De Maria is the one that, that drew that foul. So he played a huge part in that game. He got subbed out in like the 60th minute, I think. No, I think it was like the 63rd minute. But he was coming back from injury. I think he had missed the previous three games because of injury. He comes out in the final, balls out. And then gets taken out in the sixty third minute after scoring a goal and drawing a foul in the penalty box, or draw, basically drawing a penalty kick. Like, dude, man was a beast in the final after after being out for the past three games. So a guy like that, um, you got a guy like Julian Alvarez, who's the other kind of striker up there with uh, line with Lionel Messi, and he's a, he's a super young guy as well. I think he's like twenty four ish or twenty two or something like that. And he's gonna he's probably gonna be the next big player for Argentina. Um that, that you know, that most people know. So it's like Argentina I think Argentina also has a, a pretty bright future as well. Um they they're all they're always kind of looked at as a team that's that's supposed to be good. But again, this was a, a year that they were not really supposed to win, but they ended up winning. In past years they've been like the undisputed favorite and they lose. So I think this is a great way to end off the the World Cup. And I think it's 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 almost like it was destiny, right? I mean, you look at this and you're like, "Hey, Argentina wasn't supposed to win this. They have the best player in the world on their team, but he's getting old. This is his last World Cup." And it's one of those situations where you look at it and you're like, "Are they really going to be able to do it? Are they really going to be able to pull it out?" And they were. They were able to do it. Um, so I think I think everybody should be happy for them. Again, if you're a salty Ronaldo fan, sorry, but also not really sorry cuz you you got to you got to look at it from a from a a sports fan standpoint and look at it and be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta suck up my pride for Ronaldo and, and be happy for Messi because right. He's, he's the greatest player in the world at this point. So uh, yeah. But with that being said, I'm going to stop rambling on about the world cup because again, I, I can't even really put in the words how, how good that game was. Um, extra time, everything. I like the second half and extra time in that game, the second half and extra time is what I'm saying um was pro- yeah probably the best soccer I've ever seen in my life. It it's just Argentina scored their first two goals in the first half and so going into halftime it was 2-0 and I was like wow like Argentina is really going to do this and then you know Mbappe scores all three goals or scores two goals in the second half and I'm like dude what uh, and they were within I think 90 seconds of each other which I haven't looked that up and I didn't see a stat about it but if I had to guess that's probably the fastest two goals scored by a player in a world cup um by the same player in the in a world cuz like he scored the penalty and then about 90 seconds later he scored the uh he scored the equalizer that made it 2-2 so that's probably the quickest time between two goals by the same player in world cup history but i could be wrong as well with that um but that was yeah i mean he's just an incredible player to watch i'm really excited to watch him in future world cups cuz the world cup yes is about the only soccer I watch so I'm gonna have to wait four more year four more years to uh watch soccer again but it's uh it's all right because we got we got American football to watch every year which is a blessing so yes that's gonna do it for this episode I know I, I got a little bit uh long-winded towards the end here I'm gonna have to do a lot more editing than I usually have to because I took a lot more uh a lot more pauses to think about what I was saying thing about my uh, my train of thought cuz i i got lost in the blankness of my walls cuz that's all i'm looking at right now <laughs> so uh yeah hope you guys hope you guys enjoyed it though um i hope it wasn't too confusing and too hard to follow but uh i think i think that most of my points were pretty clear i didn't repeat myself too much here but uh i think it went better than my last solo episode i think it also went longer than my last solo episode i think my last solo episode was only about 45 minutes and I think this one's about an hour, so uh, yeah, moving up in the world here, um, Matt. If you made it to this point, I'm, I'm giving a little, sh- you know, personal shout out to Matt here in the ep- in the end of the episode because uh, you know it's my it's my guy. You know, I, I'm I kind of missed him this episode, but again, it was really fun to do it solo dolo, and uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to do it again sometime in the future because there will be a time when Matt can't make it on. And there's going to be another time when I can't make it on and Matt does a solo episode. So, uh, yeah, until, until the next solo episode, um, I will, I will definitely improve my skills on, on executing this because it's a lot harder than you think talking for an hour straight, um, with only minimal water breaks and a lot more editing than I usually have to do for an episode. So be sure to, Like and share this episode because it's uh, well, you can't really like it, but be sure to uh, give give this podcast a good rating and share it with your friends and family because I worked pretty hard for this episode. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening, though. Really appreciate all of you guys that make it to the end of these episodes, because, again, they're uh, they're pretty long winded towards the end. But but we get through them. And if you guys make it to this part, then you are some real OGs and I appreciate you. So does Matt. So um, with that being said, oh, yeah, I forgot to kind of give my little shout out. Matt, if you're still listening to this, man, hope you having fun in Disney. All right. Uh, yeah, I really just need to in this, this, this episode. So <laughs> I will uh, I'll catch you guys next time with Matt on the other end. And that'll probably be sometime at the end of this week. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week and merry early Christmas. We're less than a week out here. So that's that. I hope you guys have a great week.